0: Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined as always by the managing editor, Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, it is Texas, Alabama week. The Longhorns and Crimson Tide have not played since that 2009 season national championship game and Texas leads this series seven, one, and one. That is Alabama's only win over Texas. And it dates back to like 1902 (laughs) and Alabama's making its first trip to Austin, Texas, since 1922. And of course there's great history between these two programs, Daryl Royal, Bear Bryant, they met in the 1965 Orange Bowl when Tommy Nobis stuffed Joe Namath at the goal line to end the game and someone asked Tommy Nobis how uh how close was Joe Namath to the to the goal line and Tommy Nobis said this far. <laughs> so uh it's great stuff Nick Saban of course my gosh, there was a group of Texas boosters who wanted to hire him. In 2013, Mac Brown, who was supposed to get fired by Steve Patterson, uh, but Steve Patterson didn't fire Mac. Um, That snafu delay cost the big money guys at Texas any chance of talking to Nick Saban. Um, And according to... Tom Hicks, who uh, is one of Texas's biggest, most powerful boosters. That uh, situation was a lot closer to happening than people realize. So Nick Saban coming back to Austin, whether his wife was really looking for a house or not, Taylor, Nick Saban's coming back to Austin, this time with bad intentions.
1: That is not somebody I think that you... uh you want to mess around with if these come into your home right chip i mean the the storylines with this game are totally endless between texas and alabama whether you look at you know their last meeting as you mentioned being that uh, bcs national title game there are still a lot of texas fans and people in this part of the country that believe that if colt mccoy didn't leave that game with an injury texas would have probably steamrolled them which have could have changed, honestly, the trajectory of both programs. I mean, that was that was Nick Saban's first national title at Alabama as the Alabama head coach. And then, obviously, he's uh, gone on to kind of have a dynasty there uh, with the Crimson Tide, where Texas has gone in the opposite direction. I mean, the the storylines really, that's, that's just one. I mean, look at the staff that Texas has. How many of those coaches have coached under Nick Saban and not just, you know, from that 2020 national championship team the Alabama fielded. Um, But, you know, even with Bo Davis, he spent two different stints at Alabama, including the first BCS title win um, against Texas too. He's won two titles with Alabama and two different stints. I mean, everything just, this is just kind of playing out to be one of those um, those rare type of moments, those rare type of games that you get in college football, non-conference play. Obviously, this is going to be a bigger deal in the future because I feel like Texas and Alabama will probably meet much more, uh, you know, consistently once Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. But no doubt all eyes are on this game, Chip, and uh, the the experts in Vegas are not giving the Longhorns too much uh, chance here in this one, though.
0: No, no, they're not. <laughs> um, the line opened at 19 and quickly mm-hmm. went to 20. And uh, Texas is at home uh, by our uh, account. Texas has never been a 20 point home dog since point spreads became a thing in the 1940s. Now, if someone has alternate information, please pass it along because that is not something that the Texas sports uh, media guide has now (laughs) Phil Steele has, uh, (laughs) the lines from, from previous games, but, uh, nonetheless, Texas is a 20 point home dog. So Taylor, this is a situation where Texas should be playing loose and free and brave and just let it all hang because no one is expecting Texas to win this game. And, it's like they get a free shot at trying to take down the number one team in the country. And, you know, stranger things have happened. Taylor, Texas had a crazy run against Nebraska when Nebraska was a national championship contender, starting in 1996 with that big 12 title game. When if Nebraska wins it, they're going to the orange bowl to play for the national championship. And they were a 21 point favorite and Texas beat him by 10. now that team had priest holmes ricky williams a loaded offensive line casey hampton a lot of experience james brown was a third year quarterback at that time texas doesn't have that this time in fact the the better matchup for texas is going to happen next year in tuscaloosa when bryce young is gone and will anderson is gone and some of these other nfl Prospects that Alabama has on their roster, Um, you know, Jordan Battle, the safety, when those guys are all gone and Texas is a year older at quarterback, a year older on the offensive line, that roster has a better chance against Alabama than, than this one on paper. Now.
1: On paper, I was gonna say you, we say that now Alabama is constantly reloading though too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, no doubt about it. In fact, um, I was reminded today that, uh, Alabama has a freshman nose tackle whose name is, uh, Jahir Otis. Oh yeah. 370 pounds.
1: True freshman, a redshirt freshman,
0: Jahim Otis. Sorry, well, that's a good question. Um, but Jahim Otis is 370 pounds, and he played against Utah State last week. So this is this is uh, this is this is going to be a lot. It's
1: a true freshman. And He's a true freshman. Good true to know. freshman.
0: Yeah, Jahim Otis, and Alabama plays a three-man line with. Will Anderson is a stand-up outside linebacker. And so Jaheim Otis will be head up on Jake Majors, who will be outweighed by 70 pounds in that matchup. So this is just going to be fascinating to see how Steve Sarkeesian, who knows uh, the Alabama defensive staff very well, Pete Golding, we've said, Uh, we believe Steve Sarkeesian wanted to hire Pete Golding from Alabama to be his defensive coordinator. And that's why all those other assistant coaches were hired first because Sarkeesian thought he was going to be able to bring in Pete Golding, probably ran some names by Pete Golding. But then after uh, Sarkeesian hired Jeff Banks from Alabama to be the special teams coordinator and tight ends coach at Texas, Saban basically said, look, dude, enough (laughs) is enough. You're Stay not- in
1: your lane. Stay in yeah. your lane.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy who gave you uh, a second chance in coaching. Don't forget, you don't need to show me your thanks by rating uh, my staff of one of its best recruiters and best coaches, mm-hmm. Jeff Banks. Yeah, And look what happened last week, Taylor. Jeff Banks, they defer. They give the ball to Louisiana Monroe with the full intention of trying to block the punt of Louisiana Monroe, stop them, block the punt, and it works to perfection. They end up scoring a touch. The first points of the season were scored on Deshaun Jameson's blocked punt and Keelan Robinson's scoop and score. So that's what Jeff Banks means to this Texas staff. And who knows what he's got up his sleeve for Alabama. So there is familiarity. Uh, between these two programs and talking to the Texas players, they were saying how Jaleel Billingsley, Jai Hall, and Keelan Robinson were giving them little tidbits of tied tendencies. And, and you're just thinking, well, can that really help? I mean, in the heat of battle when you're dog tired and it's probably 100 plus degrees on the field, are you really going to be locked in on... Whatever that little nugget was that Ajay Hall gave you about a cornerback or Jaleel Billingsley gave you about Will Anderson. I don't know. Maybe, but maybe. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is going to have to call the game of his life. Uh, Texas players are going to have to have, as Jatavian Sanders said, the week of practice of their lives uh, because he said it. He said, Alabama can blow you out easily, he said, mm-hmm. if we don't have the best practice uh, of our lives. So this is fascinating because no one is giving Texas any credit. Now, Taylor, was anyone giving A&M credit last year in College Station when Zach Calzada took over at quarterback for the, for the Aggies and played the game of his life and beat the, the Crimson Tide?
1: no and- i mean no yeah nobody was giving credit then but if you look at that game i think that the key is that you've got to get after bryce young that's what a m did i mean if if you're steve Sarkeesian, and and mind you that was such an anomaly game too it's hard to even say oh take a page out of out of a playbook a little bit because nick saban is such a good coach it's i would be shocked if he gets beat twice the same exact way especially in back-to-back years and especially to two of his former assistant coaches i mean it's just it's not in his makeup it's not in his dna and um you know one thing that that was interesting in the a m alabama game last year was there were two special teams touchdowns and back-to-back plays with alabama blocking a punt to returning it then a m returns the kickoff i think it was like 96 yards Devin a chain returns it to the house and that really was the the shift in the game a little bit more for AM, um, because it was seven point, I think it was a seven-point game when that happened. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but that that worked last year. Who's to say that's gonna work this year? You just it's hard to even look back at last year's team, I think, chip, when you look at the games where Alabama may not have played their best game or lost like how they did to out to um Texas AM. It's just really difficult for me to even think that Steve Sarkeesian, his staff can look at that game and be like, oh yes, those are some tendencies that we're going to see again this season. I just don't, I don't see that playing out just because of the type of coach that Nick Saban is. Um, I mean, he is the best college football coach in history. I think it's fair to say that. And, you know, one of the other ones, Bear Bryant too, that (laughs) happened to be a coach at um, Alabama as well. It's just, it's really hard for me to even think that there's something that the staff could have seen that That the crimson tide did last year in that lost a m that they're going to replicate this year just because of how successful nick saban has been and making sure that he doesn't get beat twice especially the same way
0: yeah yeah i mean you look at uh well first of all alabama's not gonna get caught looking ahead okay no because do you know who the crimson tide play after they play texas louisiana monroe yeah (laughs) and they just watch texas pummel uh the warhawks 52 to 10. so alabama is their full attention is focused on texas and And probably
1: has been as sark said for the last number of months too
0: yeah and nick saban's hearing about how jimbo fisher beat him last year kirby smart beat him last year nick was 24 and 0 against assistant coaches and then he loses two of three uh, two assistants last year. He did beat Kirby Smart in the regular season, then lost to him in uh, the national championship game. Uh, but Nick's, Nick's pissed. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be looking to put Sarkeesian in his place. And here's the thing. There, there are areas where Alabama appears to be uh, not as strong as they've been in the past. Let's put it that way. Because I was going to say, if
1: you say weak, I'm going to be like, just shut it down. Right no, no. Here.
0: <laughs> no, none of that. But at wide receiver, no Jameson Williams, no John Mechie. And this is after a string of receivers, you know, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. And so we're not quite sure. I mean, although Bryce Young threw it to 11 guys against Utah State. That's a team that went 11 and 3 last year by the way, Utah State. Um and the offensive line was sort of up and down last year. And they're not, you know, some of those three four of those guys are back, three of those guys. Sorry, they have new tackles. But they did bring in a transfer um to to shore up one of those tackle spots. So but they lost Evan Neal, first round draft pick. Left tackle to the NFL. Those are like the two areas. That and uh, Cameron Latu, their their tight end, the guy who beat out Jaleel Billingsley, the guy who was a defensive end. They moved him to tight end, and the guy had a record year for tight end touchdowns last year at Alabama, set the record eight. And Jaleel Billingsley's like, I'm out. And so Cameron Latu did not play last week against Utah state, but he is back in the depth chart this week. Uh, He had been injured. And so Cameron Latu at tight end for Alabama coming back this week is big. Although Alabama didn't need him in that 55 to nothing trouncing of Utah state. So if you're, Peek and Gary Patterson and DeMarvin Overshone and, you know, whoever else is going to be counted on to make a play defensively. If that's where Alabama's not as strong, oh, guess what? Bryce Young ran for a hundred yards last week, and that's something he really hadn't been doing at Alabama. And And the kid is slippery. I mean, he is elusive. So this is, uh, this is a lot. I mean, Bryce young, he may be the best quarterback in the history of Alabama, Taylor. That's think about that. Joe Namath, you know, uh, good heavens. I mean,
1: the thing with Alabama, a lot of times they, at least under Nick Saban, they haven't really had to rely on the quarterback being the best player on the field. They've had so much skill, talent and so much talent around, whether it's from an offensive line standpoint to block the quarterback, to make them look even better than they may have been. But that that's what makes I think this this Alabama team even more potent chip is the fact that the quarterback is probably arguably one of the best players in college football and one of the best players on that roster. I mean, you you go back even to the 2020 season. I mean, Mac Jones was a three star and he played great, obviously became a first round draft pick. But still, nobody was expecting Mac Jones to be the star because he had so many star uh, playmakers around him. And those star playmakers around him led to him becoming a Heisman finalist and led to him becoming a first round draft pick. I mean, that's a lot of times the Alabama teams When And obviously, they've had really good quarterbacks. I'm not trying to say that they haven't like Tua Tungvaloa. I mean, Jalen Hurts, even when he was there, he was really good too. But they haven't had to be the best player on the team where a lot of times, and especially recent college football, I feel like a lot of times the teams that go and play for the Um, college football playoff their quarterback is the best player on the team or at least one of the top ones that's what makes Alabama really really potent I think this year with Bryce Young being another year in the offense at Alabama you know he's um I think he's a he's technically a redshirt sophomore right right yeah so he's still but still draft eligible you know third year there um you can say what you want about he learned Sark's offense and had to learn a different offense it's Alabama's offense like let's just call it what it is you can say there may be a different play caller maybe a different coordinator that's leading it but it's it's the Alabama offense with the the little sprinkles of the offensive coordinators that they do bring in there so I mean this is that's he's a he's a deadly weapon I'll say that for any any opposing defense especially with another year under his belt and um you know probably poised to be one of the t- the front runners for the Heisman again this year he could win it back to back years I mean who knows
0: yeah Yeah, and Alabama could have the top two players selected in the NFL draft and Bryce Young and Will Anderson. And the thing is, we know DeMarvian Overshone is fast. He's fast. He's like DB fast. Yeah. You saw it in the opener against Louisiana Monroe, you know, getting the quarterback down, chasing plays down. Alabama's in, you know, they have that in Will Anderson. He's that fast as well. And Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. And so that's where this is going to get fascinating for me, because obviously Quinn Ewers is going to have to play. I mean, he's going to have to have the Zach Calzada and I I shouldn't even say that that's not even funny, but he's going to have to play the game of his life. Like, like Calzada did against Alabama last year Mm -hmm. and Taylor, he played. he's had one college game. He got sacked. Uh, I think Texas was sacked three times. Hudson Card uh, was sacked. But um, Quinn Ewers has never seen speed on guys this big before. And it's it's just going to go up like 10 notches from what he experienced last week and from anything he experienced in his junior season in 2020 at South Lake Carroll. So I don't know how you replicate that I don't know how you replicate uh, Will Anderson Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell flying at you uh, and all these guys are 6'4 240 but if if Quinn Ewers can do it and Sark's going to have to probably protect that offensive line by rolling the pocket bootlegs waggles nakeds whatever uh, cut the field in half run RPO to one side of the field try to cut down the progressions you're probably not going to get to your fourth progression like Quinn Ewers did in the louisiana monroe game so i'm fascinated i'm fascinated because steve sarkisian was confident on monday you know he he had some swag about him he didn't look like a guy who was you know chugging uh tums and trying to <laughs> trying to calm his stomach he he sounded like a guy who. You know, was saying, look, if you follow this game plan, like to a T, he seemed to be trying to say to his players, you're going to be in this game. So lock in, focus, have the best week of practice of your lives because we're going to put you in position to be in this game in the fourth quarter if we don't make self, you know, unforced errors, self inflicted wounds, turnovers, penalties. So it's fascinating because this is this is a total uh, game changer in terms of potentially altering the country's perception of Texas and giving Steve Sarkeesian a signature win, which he doesn't have yet. It's a golden opportunity and no one expects Texas to win this game. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Texas LSU game uh, in 2019 and Texas had a chance to win that game, Taylor.
1: Yeah, well, and I don't think LSU was given at that point of the season, the credit that they ended up having at the end of the season either. You know, I mean, that was an LSU team that they, I don't believe they were number one ranked in the country going into that Texas game. Um, They were a top 10 team, but not that high. And then it turned out, it's kind of funny, like how that whole season played out because Texas, you know, everyone was talking about how Todd Orlando and the defense need, like they need to be fired, all of that, because LSU and this, scrub Joe Burrow, just like, you know, took it to the house on them. And then turns out that that was one of the most prolific offenses in college football history that Texas ended up facing. It's funny how, you know, hindsight's 2020. Everyone wanted to bash Texas for sucking that game. and It's like, oh, LSU did that to every single opponent. That's, that's interesting how that played out. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is a golden opportunity for Texas to um, make a statement, as you said. And in sometimes I will say this, that a lot of times with in college football, the, the teams that don't have anything to lose are the ones that can be the the most dangerous ones. And that's what this is kind of showing up for Texas going into this, this game against Alabama. However, Chip, I'm still hesitant to even play into that storyline or anything along those lines, because it does seem like this is one of the best Alabama teams that Nick Saban has had. And that that's a scary thought. If you're any opponent facing the Crimson Tide this year.
0: I mean, it's, uh, it is going to be fascinating. That's I'm, I cannot wait for it. Uh, 11 AM it's a kegs and eggs. We know that Texas has had its battles with 11 AM kickoffs. If you can't get up for this 11 AM kickoff with, uh, you know, to the Heisman Trophy winner and a Heisman Trophy finalist rolling into your crib, then, uh, I don't know.
1: Big noon kickoff going to be there. I mean, every, all eyes are on this game.
0: Absolutely. And I just, I just don't think Texas is going to get embarrassed in this game because look, this is, you're going to get max effort from every player on the texas roster because of who they're playing it's it's not a situation where you're gonna have to worry are the guys up for this one were they out too late they i mean alabama brings your full attention um you know on every snap and and we're gonna find out about all the conditioning and all the um you know team building culture wednesdays all of that because Every player we talked to on Monday knows adversity is coming in this game. And, and a lot of them said, I want to see how we respond to it. Like they couldn't wait, you know, B. John Robinson's like, I'm looking forward to it. You know, adversity makes you stronger. makes you closer. Well, yeah, if you like each other and you care about each other, if you don't, it can drive everyone back into their own uh, corner of the room. So. I, this is going to reveal some stuff but as we've said you know throughout the summer this game should not define if if alabama wins the turnover battle wins the game by 30 or it's not close in the fourth quarter and fans are leaving this game should not define texas because of just how good alabama is and the fact that texas is youthful In some key positions, two freshmen starting on the offensive line, um, you know, in a, in a quarterback starting his second college game. So I'm, I just can't wait. Um, I know we need to like break down stuff and, and all of that, but um, Taylor, I'll, I'll just say this. I mean, you've got Jameer Gibbs at running back for Alabama he transferred him from Georgia Tech this guy can break it you know he's got breakaway speed those um folks who are you know used to Derrick Henry and big Eddie Lacey the big bangers Jameer Gibbs is a guy who can fly and so that that's interesting he averaged 10 yards a carry last week against Utah State and they're deep. I mean, Trey Sanders is in this running back room. Taylor, one of the top recruits from two years ago. Everyone, you know, was hoping at Texas. Oh, maybe Trey Sanders will come here. And I think he ended up committing to like every school under the sun before landing it at Alabama. He but he anyway, three
1: years ago, right?
0: Three years ago.
1: Yeah, he was um, 2019 class.
0: So you've got a loaded running back room. You've got how about Jermaine Burton at wide receiver? He played at Georgia last year and Georgia was all about their tight ends. And so Jermaine Burton's like beats Alabama, helps beat Alabama and then transfers to Alabama. Cause he's looking at Jamison Williams and John Mechie catching 75 passes a year. And he's like, yeah, let me get some of that because their receivers keep going in the first round. So you'll be looking at Jermaine Burton and then, Uh, You know, defensively, obviously, I mean, Henry Toa Toa transfers from Tennessee, leads the team in tackles last year. He's projected as a possible, well, he's definitely projected as a, as a first day um, pick, and they're just strong up the middle of that defense. They got plenty of experience in rotation at the defensive tackle position. In addition to Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell coming off the edge. And then Henry Toa in the middle, and Jordan Battle, uh, the you know the total quarterback of that secondary has seen it all. Uh, nothing's gonna fool him. Um, you know it's gonna you're gonna have to win one on one battles. Jatavian Sanders is gonna have to get a great matchup and and make a great contested catch and get loose. Uh, maybe a DB falls down in one on one coverage with Xavier Worthy you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be silly here, but Texas needs things to go right on Saturday in this game. And, and if it does, Hey, Sark brought up his first year at Washington um, when he had a home game against USC, the number three team in the country, and they were a 20 point dog and they fell behind 10, nothing early and couldn't stop the run. And then they, you know, buckled down and and got some breaks and suddenly it's tied and washington ends up upsetting usc in a massive win for steve sarkisian and in, in the momentum of that program and sarkisian w- was asked about it this week and said yeah similar similar scenario <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh usc had matt barkley i think wasn't he a perfectly rated quarterback too i mean i think he vince young and Quinn so. yours are like the only Ones. I don't
1: think so. I think that it was only, it was Vince Young, Van Queen, Yours was the next one. I think I could be wrong though.
0: Well, Barkley was a big time you yes, know, quarterback he was, yeah. and, and Washington had Jake Locker, who was like a fullback playing quarterback. He was like those old AM quarterbacks like Bucky Richardson. But anyway, uh, Washington won that game and Steve Sarkeesian can... Talk about that with his team. He can talk about knowing, you know, Alabama's um personnel inside and out. The funny thing is, there are current players on the Alabama defense who went up against Sarkeesian's offense in practice every day, too.
1: Right. With so, probably some better playmakers that they uh, had on the Alabama <laughs> offense, too. Yeah. Not, not, that's not a knock on Texas either. It's just that's how good that team was. The, I mean, the, you know, uh, Jalen Waddles, uh, Vonta Smith. I mean, all of those guys, like that's what they were facing in that offense.
0: Yeah, and if you if it comes down to a field goal, I mean, Alabama, which has had horrible field goal kicking uh throughout Nick Saban's 16 years there, now probably has their best field goal kicker under Nick Saban in uh in Rikard. Um the uh Alan Reichard, I want to say will Reichard, sorry, will, <laughs> will Reichard. He's like, he was 22 of 28. And, you know, they trust him in big opportunities, big situations. And, um, you know, they've got a, a, an experienced punter as well. So Texas, man, they were, they were firing the holder, uh, after a field goal the other night. And, you know, Isaac Pearson gets benched for Hudson card is the holder after the, after Pearson couldn't hold on to a, a snap on a 38-yard field goal attempt that looked like something, you know, looked like Bert Auburn threw up on himself uh, on that attempt. But just saying, Alabama, experience uh, field goal kicker, another, another area uh, where you have to look at all these matchups and you're trying to find an edge for Texas. I'm not sure that that is going to be an edge for Texas
1: where do you think there is an edge for texas if there is an edge for texas chip
0: uh the home field advantage the crowd
1: does that work though i feel like sometimes that's worked against texas at times
0: yeah i mean this is going to be i i just can't wait to see this because you know you've heard that you know gary patterson he loves to look at opponents and he starts in april and he yeah I hear he's got all kinds of ideas for this game. Okay. Let's, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to sneak a 12th player onto the field <laughs> uh, on defense. I mean, there's just, uh, but you know what guys grow up and guys, the guys who love the bright lights, they rise to the occasion. You may see a guy on Saturday who you thought was just okay for Texas, have the game of his life. and. Surge with confidence and be a different player. That's what kind of game this is. And we talk about the Texas, Oklahoma game and the crucible, the cotton bowl and all the, you know, the weight of the fan bases split at the 50 and you make a play in that game. You're a legend for life. You find a way to win this game. You're a legend for life. You'll be a yeah. longhorn legend. You beat the number one team in the country. Some say it might be Nick Saban's best team ever two Heisman Heisman trophy winner and a Heisman finalist on the field. Oh babe. This is uh this is a golden opportunity for these horns to you know for players to grow up and and make big time plays and for this program to finally get talked about again for something other than flailing.
1: Right. Yeah, no you're right. And I will say though one thing. I feel like you know, we're talking this game up. It's a huge game. There's no doubt about it. But I also don't think that this is a, like, program-defining game for Texas either because they are a 20-point underdog for a reason. I mean, that that's not any any reason other than Vegas sees what this game is, the differential of talent, the differential of, like, the the state of the programs, I think. So I don't necessarily think that anybody that's a Texas fan, if, if Alabama, you know, wins by 20 points. I don't think if you're a Texas fan you should leave the stadium being like, "Oh, we're doomed for the rest of the year." I just don't think so. I think it'll just be a good kind of starting point of where Texas is in terms of becoming a dominant program in the SEC when they're going to be moving to that conference. That's what Alabama has been for the last decade, you know, of college football. They've they've been that dominant program more times than not. And so that's like I I feel like if Texas wins, you celebrate this. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win the national championship, I don't think, either. But on the flip side, if they do lose by 20, I don't think you you leave this game being like, we suck, or here we go, five and seven season is on the table for us this year. I don't think that Texas fans should should leave that game this way. I think you got to find the small moral victories, and I am the very much not the participation trophy type of person, like a loss is a loss is a loss, and I just look at that. But at the end of the day, when you're facing a team that is this, like such an elite team in the sport and such an elite team in the program, or as a program in college football, especially over I mean historically, but you know, this last run that Nick Saban has had at Alabama has been such a a monstrous run, a dynasty type of program. You gotta take the wins where you can get them. And if the the scoreboard does not end up in Texas favor, I don't think that this is the end all be all for the team or the season for Texas in 2022. And maybe I'm crazy. I don't know, Chubb. Maybe I am.
0: Well, crazier things have happened. Like I said, Texas had that nine and one run against Nebraska. And it included a win over a team that had Dominican Sue and Jared Crick on the defensive line. Indomitian Sioux sacked Colt McCoy four and a half times in the Big 12 championship game in 2009. And Jared, Jared Crick sacked him two and a half times. And that was probably the most dominant defensive line I've ever seen face a Texas team. And that's the comparison that we're getting this weekend with Will Anderson uh, Dallas Turner, uh, Chris Braswell. So let's see how how the Texas you know tries to to scheme around it. Because look, what if Alabama has the drops? You know what if what if their receivers are not as dialed in at 11 a.m. and they have the drops and there's you know a punt return for a touchdown by Xavier Worthy who loves the big stage. We know that. Um, just go back to last year's OU game. It, 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 who knows? Who knows? I'm not saying no, and I'm sure we'll get into it in Love It or Leave It. But look, I lo- that's why we love college football because you can have crazy things happen, like Texas beating Nebraska in the '96 Big 12 title game, like Sark's Washington team knocking off number three USC in in 2009. Uh, because sometimes it just lines up in your favor you get a break you get a you get some momentum there's a seed of doubt uh and Alabama did play in some close games last year played in a lot of close games I mean right. Alabama fans talk about narrow wins over Florida narrow wins over LSU the lost to and you know yeah they they beat Georgia in the regular season and then you know, couldn't couldn't sustain it in the national championship when uh, Jameson Williams went down. Their receiver went down with an injury. So this is, this is going to be fun. But you're right, Taylor. Texas fans should not be walking out of the stadium, um, you know, thinking if Texas gets run, that uh, I'm going to sell all my tickets the rest of the season. No, watch these young guys grow. Watch Kelvin Banks grow. Watch Cole Hudson grow. Watch Quinn Ewers grow, and and let's see what all this recruiting can look like with development, and that's that's the key because Texas has had a lot of uh, high highly ranked recruiting classes, but they haven't had the development and the sustained momentum that that the program needs and and we all know that the fan base can help um, influence recruits all that so uh, it's a big recruiting weekend uh, for texas make sure you get over to horns247.com and follow everything that mike roach and hudson standish are putting out because it's not only a big recruiting weekend for football jared elliott the volleyball coach told me he's bringing in you know recruits because every recruits dad wants to come see texas alabama play
1: i bet yeah that makes sense yeah i think if you're texas you just gotta hope that the mistakes are made by alabama and that texas um answers and takes advantage of those those opportunities you know you you want to force miss opportunities for alabama and you want to take advantage of any missed opportunities that they that they may have on saturday
0: i get the feeling that fans are worried that they could see some of the hangdog stuff that they saw last year. I don't think so. I think you're going to get the best effort of every Texas player. You're probably going to see some guys play like you've never seen them play before um, because the heightened sense of awareness and just looking across at that helmet and that, um, you know, crimson, crimson tide, mm-hmm. it should bring everything out of you. you you should get the best effort you've ever seen from, um, you know, a Texas football team, probably since beating Georgia in the sugar bowl in 2018. Um, So I do think that had
1: nothing to lose. They, they played that game. Like they had nothing to lose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think you'll see the same thing. now I don't know if it'll be a win, but (laughs) I think you'll get a great effort from Texas. And I, I think it'll be, well, I think it'll be interesting. All right, Taylor. Um, Good stuff. You ready for some love it or leave it?
1: I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break. But stay tuned because we have much more Texas, Alabama talk and preview coming up. We'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it?
0: I'm ready.
1: All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. For Texas to have a chance to upset Alabama, Quinn Ewers will have to throw for the same number of touchdowns as Bama's Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Vince Young
0: yeah i mean i'm i'm probably gonna love this because whether it's throwing the same number of touchdowns or running for the same number of touchdowns i do think that quinn yours is gonna have to match um you know he's gonna have to to match bryce young and i think that's that's a lot to ask but um zach calzada did it last year i mean that's what i keep coming back to i keep coming back to Zach Calzada. Taylor. You know, Zach Calzada's not even in the too deep at Auburn.
1: I like, was gonna say, yeah, he's not he's not starting anywhere. <laughs> he's
0: saving him. Are they saving him for the Alabama game, the Iron Bowl this year? Um, but my gosh, I keep coming back to Zach Calzada. Zach Calzada found a way to beat this Alabama team that probably would have won the national championship because they did hammer Georgia in the regular season, probably would have won the national championship if Jamison Williams, their stud receiver, who went in the first round, uh, didn't get hurt. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to love this. Quinn Ewers is going to have to match Bryce Young, and and that means he's going to have to get some help from the Texas defense in making Bryce Young uncomfortable or getting him to make a rare mistake. Taylor, how about you?
1: I'm going to have to... I, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'll love it. I would say that I think Quinn Ewers probably needs to outplay Bryce Young a little bit, and that would be more of a credit to the Texas defense getting after Bryce Young um, and giving the offense more opportunities to have more scoring opportunities. So, yeah, I think, I think that Quinn Ewers has to play toe-to-toe or better than what Bryce Young does. But overall, I think that the Texas defense has to play better than Alabama's defense, and that's a huge, 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 tall task to ask of a defense that is kind of in the the show me, don't tell me stage, obviously, but the rebuilding a little bit after last year, um, there's new faces across the board at different positions. So um, I think it's going to be a whole team effort. I don't think it's going to just fall on Quinn Ewer's shoulders or anything along those lines, but I do think at the end of the day, he's got to play as good, if not better than Bryce Young to keep Texas in this game, because I think it could get ugly real quick too.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll just say this because um, we haven't talked a lot about Bijan Robinson, who's a Heisman uh, candidate, and what his impact can be on this game. I'll just say that the Alabama defense just doesn't—they don't allow teams to run for a hundred yards, let alone single backs. If if Bijan Robinson could pull off a Ricky Williams or an Earl Campbell in this game and somehow make this Alabama defense look overmatched then his stock will go through the roof and he can do it catching the football too we know he can catch the football we saw that last week on his uh his touchdown uh catch and run and Bijan Robinson can impact this game in a lot of different ways so he he could be the star but i agree i think the way that Texas is going to have to beat this Alabama defense is on the perimeter. You're going to have to make plays against man coverage in the throwing game. And that is going to mean Quinn yours. Okay. Love it or leave it. Number two.
1: Yeah. And just real quick, just to say where Alabama is as a rush defense last year, they gave up, they were, I think fourth in the country against the run and they gave up 86 yards per game to opponents. So that is, the type of caliber of run defense that they're going to be facing. But second one is let it or leave it, Saturday's game will end up being a shootout with the point total going over Las Vegas projection of 64 and a half points scored.
0: Wow. Um if if the point total goes over, that is great news for Texas because that means we're in a shootout and Texas is making plays against that Alabama defense. I'm going to leave this. I, I mean, so you're telling me that like 30, 35, 31 would put the point total over. Um, man, I know that a&M and Zach Calzada put 41 on this defense last year. I just don't think Alabama's going to come out flat like they did in that game. I'm going to leave this. I think it goes under 64 and a half and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Taylor, how about you?
1: I mean, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. I think if, the point total goes over the 64 and a half points scored. It's because it's a blowout against Texas. So I'm not going to say it's a shootout. I think it would be a blowout. So I guess I would leave it in saying that. Um, and I, and I just, I do kind of see that on the table and I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to be the Debbie down there. I'm trying to be real here. I mean, Vegas puts a, you know, a 20 point underdog at home, you know, when that, that to me, says a lot and if texas just you know shocks the world then i will be happy to eat crow because i know that our message board will be on fire in a good way and not a dumpster fire so i'm going to i'm going to leave it in saying it wouldn't be a shootout it would be more so that alabama just dominated the game
0: okay all right love it or leave it number three
1: Final one here is love it or leave it. There will be a non-offensive touchdown scored by one or both teams on Saturday.
0: Oh, sure. I'm going to love this. I mean, you got, you got Jeff Banks, who is just the master of special teams. He drew up that punt block uh, that turned into Texas's first touchdown of the season. I know he's going to have something drawn up for Alabama and Alabama uh, is the program of the non-offensive touchdown. I mean, under Nick Saban, no program in college football has more non-offensive touchdowns since he took over there. Well, since 2008, he took over in 2007. Um, So I'm going to say that I love this. I think we will see something unconventional in this game and for Texas's sake, You need that unconventional to to go in your favor and put a tiny seed of doubt uh, or some way of making Alabama players think, man, this just isn't our day. Uh, So I'm going to love this, Taylor. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'll love it too. I think uh, one or both (laughs) teams, I'll say. I'm not sure if Texas will be one or if it's both, and that's a good sign. But yeah, I mean, I I think that they're going to dial up a lot of different things for this Alabama team. You mentioned, you know, with Jeff Banks, the familiarity there from a special teams perspective, um, can, it's not going to hurt Texas in any way, shape or form, but I would not be surprised if there was a non-offensive touchdown scored by at least one team, if not both. And if it's both teams or if Texas is the one team, then that's a good sign because I think you got to take any points that you could possibly get. If you're Texas in this game, you got to celebrate every point that you can get. You got to take advantage of any opportunity that you get against a number one ranked team like this Alabama team. So yeah, I'll I'll love it and say there will be a non-offensive touchdown scored and for Texas fans. Um, I hope it's in their favor.
0: Yeah. All right, kids. There you have it. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting Anytime you put these helmets together on the same field with game day in town, Fox's big noon kickoff, we mentioned Flo Rida is performing on the Longhorn City limit stage before the game. Um, plus, you got angry Alabama fans. They're not happy that Texas's ticket allotment is like all in the upper deck. Now, so Alabama fans are having to go to the secondary ticket market and they're having to spend way more than they – Wanted to just so that they're not in the upper deck. Now, when Texas goes to the SEC, the SEC has a policy that requires that at least half of the ticket allotment is in the lower bowl. So that's why Texas is reconfiguring its student section. They had it in the south end. Now the students are back in that north, uh, northeast corner because. Starting in 2024, uh, <laughs> SEC fans <laughs> will have a sliver of seats in the lower bowl that go right up into the upper deck. So that's where visiting SEC fans will will sit. Once Texas is a league member, as of right now, they can they can hose Alabama fans. Now Texas fans better be ready to get hosed next year Uh, because you know the funny thing is Chris Del Conte and Greg Byrne the athletic director at Alabama are friends Mm. like they're they talk a lot so um, and when you're the AD at Texas and the AD at Alabama and your football programs are what they are your earning revenue power is what it is you should be talking a lot these guys should be helping to frame whatever college football is going to look like for the next 15, 20 years, but, um, yeah, Alabama fans are not happy about where they're going to be sitting, but, and they're not bringing their band. So yeah, there you go. All right, Taylor, any other thoughts on this massive showdown between these iconic programs?
1: I mean, I think if you're a fan and this is easier, I think for you and me, Chip, to take this um perspective of it is this is what makes college football amazing i mean this is what college football is about these two you know historic powerhouse type of programs just coming together so many different storylines to watch so many different you know things to pay attention to in this game i mean this is what is, this is college football at its best, in my opinion. And I know it's easier for us to say that more from the outside, watching this, you know, as media members, not really having a, um, a straight up, you know, allegiance to either program or anything along those lines. Obviously, I think that we would probably pull for Texas for the sheer fact that, with our horns, 24 seven members who we love and adore, and we want them to be as happy as possible. We want them to see a win, but at the end of the day, I just think this is what makes college football so special. I'm really excited just for, to take it all in honestly. And, um, you know, if, if uh, Texas ends up pulling the upset, it's going to be a wild weekend in Austin, Texas. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. A preview of a soon to be conference game. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for another day today it's about bad blood history familiarity between these coaches and some really really good football players taking the field trying to uh get over on the other and you know when you talk about Bijan robinson going up against will anderson that that's worth the price of admission right there and what if quinn ewers is a freak and decides in his second college game to become Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, not of his early days at Tech, um, then this kid's, you know, his uh, star potential goes through the roof. So uh, we'll watch it and we'll talk about it right here next week on the flagship podcast. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. And until then, stay safe and keep the faith.
1: This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.